And I sort of, I think I call them hobby horses. I ride a hobby horse, and the hobby horse was, uh, most of the time we're not listening. Remember I talked to you in the beginning about the fellow, if you can just get somebody to think about something for three minutes, but there's so many things that get in our way. We think of something else, we, we get off track, and it's really hard to stay there and everything. And uh, how enhanced our life would be uh, if we could just focus on something and listen to what's going on. And, and, if, and when you start in the passage, uh, the message comes to Jesus, and he's with the apostles, and he tells them something, and they're not listening. Remember? They, they didn't hear. Um, he's been threatened. If he goes back up to Jerusalem, they're going to kill him. And he said, but I'm walking in the daytime. I know what I'm doing. He finally has to tell them because if they don't catch the inference that Lazarus has died, and, and they said, and he used the, the concept of sleep for a Christian because that's all it is, just a, a very temporary state uh, when we pass from this life to the next. And when you look at the body, uh, they're not separated from God. Their spirit has actually left and went to be with God. If I has to tell them because they don't have their spiritual thinking caps on, he's done. He's done. What Leslie reads to you about is uh, Mary and Martha. And they've heard, but they haven't listened. They've heard, but they haven't listened. They've got little bits and pieces of what Jesus has been saying. And uh, we look at Thomas in the in the previous passage, and he had heard that Jesus is going to go up to Jerusalem and die. He'd heard that much, but he says, let us go up to Jerusalem and die with him. And nothing been said about them dying with him. They eventually would. Not there and not that day and not with him, but they eventually, except for the Apostle John, would all die martyrs' deaths. But they really hadn't listened to what Jesus says. Mary and Martha are not listening. And uh, and they go and correct him. That's sort of fascinating. And I wonder how often we do it. Uh, we are sitting here today and saying, but the Lord, you don't know my circumstances. I'm mad because... There's a verse in the Bible that says you have not resisted unto blood. Nobody's nailed you to a cross. Jesus understands all of those things far superior to us. And he's desperately, and I don't think God ever gets desperate, but he's desperately wanting us to understand not for his good but for others. Wanting us to listen. There's uh, stuff on the wall today that's not on my uh, on my bulletin. John chapter 11, when unbelievers refuse to believe. Uh, the first couple sections are when believers refuse to believe. Now they believe that Christ is Savior, but they don't believe in all that he can do for us. That he walks through life with us. That he's here today. We sing about it, about Santa Claus. You better, uh, better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. 
and yet we refuse it. We know that Santa Claus is a fable, but we refuse to believe that by God. Uh, we say things like, whatever I'm doing is more important than you are, God. Whatever I'm thinking is more important than thinking about God. Even the death of Lazarus was more important than thinking about who Jesus was and what he could do. And the best they could say, well, if you'd been here, Jesus, it would have been different. But it's too late now because you have no power over life and death. You have power of sickness, not life and death. Remember how often something's happened in our life and and we just assign it all of that authority. Okay? Been there, done that, living in that situation. Instead of concentrating on who Jesus is. Okay? <clears throat> and what's sad about today is that in the passage that Leslie read, Lazarus is called out of the grave. Okay? And there's a whole movement today that believes people are going to come to Christ because of signs and wonders. And they run from place to place. Benny Hindle set up someplace and gets thousands of people in because we're going to have signs and wonders. We're going to have miracles here today. And they keep studying his signs and miracles and they can't find anything, signs and miracles about it. It's deceptive. But people keep going after that. We're going to encounter people that hear him call Lazarus out of the grave, see Lazarus come out of the grave, and we have a mixed result. Some are fascinated with this, and they come to him, and they want to discover more, and they actually begin believing on him. There's a, another whole group that just walks away. We're not called by signs and miracles. We have to fixate on who Jesus is. So, so my subheading was keeping our eyes off of the miracle and on the miracle worker. <coughs> I was sitting over at the Pair Hospital, met some friends of Tom Curran. Uh, they were there because Mrs. Bridges was there. And they were friends of uh, Joe Bridges, Mrs. Bridges' son. And got talking Bible and everything, and where they uh, had a business and all that kind of stuff. And it just hit me, and I said, do you know Tom Curran? Yes, he's our insurance man. We know Tom Curran. Well, I had all that. We had talked Bible for a long time, and I finally said to them, where do you go to church? Oh, we'll go to church. And I thought, How? And, and they were talking things that most people don't know about the Bible. And talking like this world can't last a lot longer, at least the economy in the world's going to last longer, but the economy that we're in right now uh, is going to be changed by the rapture of the church. And, and, and they really believe the rapture of the church was going to happen quite quickly. The man has a United Church of Christ background, and the lady has a Catholic background. And they really haven't found a church. They've been married 19 years and haven't found a church that they've been able to settle down into. And I said, oh, you should. Find some place. The man was talking when he was younger. 
He was recruited by the Catholic Church to sing in a gospel quartet that the Catholic Church had. And I said, you know what? We're praying for a song leader. <laughs> he said, oh, I can't do it. I can't do that. I said, I'm not asking you. I said, that's just what we're praying for. Yeah. <laughs> you bring your qualified. There you go. <laughs> And I thought, with the contradictions we have in our lives, how can we put these things together? I talk to people all the time that are confident they're going to heaven because Jesus has died for them, and yet there's no worship activity in their life. And I cannot question their salvation. That's so far beyond me. That's just God's. In fact, I have to believe that they are saved. If they confess that they know Christ is their Savior, I have to believe that they're saved. I don't have a choice. I wonder why there's no worship. I wonder why we come to church and think about every other thing. I wonder why we can't get past that three minutes or even two, three minutes. Because what we've encountered is two groups of believers that trust Christ for their salvation, and yet they're not listening. And now we're going to encounter some folks that are not believers, and they can't listen either. And we say, well, that's a good reason why they can't. But what about believers that are not listening? Okay. My first uh, whole section of verses, uh, and I got up there, nice uh, people are not all believers. Now, you can have sort of a rascal in town person's hard to get along with or whatever and you get talking deeply to them and you find out they're Christian. And then you find some of the nicest people in town that are not Christians. So I don't think accepting Christ is always predetermined you're suddenly going to be a nice person. We still have these personalities and characters and, and everything to deal with. And you have this very nice person, you begin to present Christ to them, and there's just a big wall that goes up. Whoa, don't talk to me about that. Just be a nice person. Yeah? So nice people are not all believers. And 17 through 19 says, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for uh, four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Mary, uh, Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Okay, so we're setting up who's here. We know that Mary and Martha are there. We know that Jesus and the apostles have come there. And now we know that uh, some folks have come out to Jeru from Jerusalem that are spending time with Mary and Martha. They're called Jews. Um, probably when scripture was written, a Jew referred to members of the tribe of Judah, not to all Israelites. It's not a word that refers to um, a descendant of Ephraim, although today we call them all Jews. So this is a limited group of people that are from the area called Judah, descendants of the same tribe as King David. Uh, that's why you get back into genealogies and some of these things are important. 
Saul in the Old Testament and Saul in the New Testament were descendants of the tribe of Benjamin. They were Israelites, but not Jews. Now today, again, we use it, we broad brush the, the term Jew. And so here's all these people coming out to offer comfort, and in their own way, they make an effort to be godly people. They have all the practices, they go to temple, they do the offerings, and all of those kinds of things, they don't understand Mary and Martha's trust in Christ. They're there because Mary and Martha are hurting, and they're nice folks. Okay? And in my recounting verses 20 through 24 that Leslie read for us, and this is where we normally go when we go to this passage. What's the interchange between Jesus and Martha? What's the interchange between uh, Jesus and Mary? Okay. And so we often talk about that, so I'm skipping that this year. Uh, I write down here, uh, verses 20 through 44, recount the oft-visited reception of Jesus by Mary and Martha, as well as his calling Lazarus from the dead. And I'm skipping that. I mentioned it, but as far as going and looking at it and all that kind of stuff, I'm skipping over that because I want to get to these folks that for whatever reason don't hear. So my next one is verse 45, but my previous statement is the confusing phenomena, and phenomena is just an, an event. The confusing event of people seeing the same evidence and arriving at different conclusions. There's a uh, radio commentator called Glenn Beck. And he's a super conservative fellow. And he went to a symposium on global warming. Now, the symposium that he went to had all kinds of very smart people with a lot of degrees and all that kind of stuff that said there's no such thing as global warming. It's not having the effects that everybody says it's having. This year, we're 10 inches over on our global warming. We've had actually 10 inches more snow than average. And in the last five years, we haven't even had average. <coughs> and we suddenly get, and it's going on all over the globe. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, yesterday was 20 inches. Mrs., Mr. and Mrs. Brown were going to go to Arkansas for some funerals. And they got two inches of ice and 10 inches of snow. We have two groups of people, another group of people, uh, led by uh, Al Gore, and I don't know if it's led by him, I think he found out the information from somebody else and he's facing it, and they are uh, resolute that there's this thing called global warming. And they have people with doctorates and all that kind of stuff from some very smart people all behind their names also. And you, you go, how can a fellow like me understand any of this stuff? Where's Virgil when we need him? You know? <clears throat> well, the situation here is a little bit different. <clears throat> There's been a fellow in a grave for four days. 
his sister, who was anxious that uh, his life be preserved, says to Jesus, don't do this. Don't do this. You're going to call him out of that grave, and he's going to already be partially rotted. Be walking out here a dead man. Don't do this. That's a believer that's not believing. Verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Where are we at? Are you more like Mary? Remember Mary when Jesus spoke, she wouldn't be in there listening and paying attention to him. She went in and washed his feet and with her tears and wiped him with her hair and anointed him. They jumped on her and he said, no, no, she's done this for my bearing. How about Martha? Her focus was on uh, making sure everybody had a drink and everybody had something to eat when we get together. Good Baptist. Good Baptist.
Okay, the next is a long section. There's uh, three, uh, three frames of verses, and I think I'll just read through it. And I entitle it, Justifying the Abuse of Scripture for Personal Purposes. And I see a lot of this today. Uh, 700 Club. I like a lot of things on the 700 Club. But they always present, if you'll make extra offerings to the 700 Club, you'll be especially blessed. And they call it the law of reciprocation. God has to pay you back. And they find somebody out there that has given the 700 Club some money, and then they, they uh, have uh, done well in their life, and they present that as the evidence. Well, they have a few million people giving them money, and if they do one of these every day, which they don't do every day, they have one of these stories every day, it's going to take a long time. And they never talk about the people that give them money and haven't done well. It's always, if you give them money, you're going to do well. That's using scripture for personal purposes. That's why I don't preach on money, because it's the easiest thing to abuse. Now, if you try, God's going to make you rich and good-looking. Don't you believe that? You just tie because you tie. Not because you're expecting some kind of payment. God loved you while you were yet a sinner. He had no value and he loved you anyway. We're supposed to love him back in the same way. Okay, so we really have to watch this using scripture for personal purposes. Everybody needs to be worshiping. Not everybody needs to be worshiping in Antioch Baptist Church. My friend says we don't need to lose anybody else. But our motivation is to get people to worship Christ, not just to see that we have every seat filled in the Antioch Baptist Church. That family that Tom knows runs Cedar Hill Feed Mill. And Cedar Hills away from here, we Susan drives further than that. But not everybody will. That's why I just told me, I said, find a church and settle down there. Just go there and worship. And you know what? You won't find a church where you're going to be in 100% agreement. You're going to find something that you disagree about. There's, there's no perfect churches. And if there is, don't go there because you'll mess it. Because <laughs> there's no perfect people. Find some place and, and, and give your life over to God in that place. I have my opinions of the nature of a church that you should worship in, but man, you should worship. So let's just read these verses. There's quite a few. It's 47 through 53. Uh, some folks have seen exactly what Jesus did, and they ran right away to the high monkey bucks. 
Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we, for this man doeth many miracles? They're all aware of it. Okay? They have not been moved. They recognize he's doing miracles. They seen the blind man that had been blind from birth and now he sees. He only could be referred to as somebody's son, no matter how old he got. He would never be considered mature as long as he was blind. And now they have to consider him in maturity. Many other things. And so they confess, yes, he's doing many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. So the first excuse they have is the Romans are more powerful than God. And we're going to lose our place to live, our assets. Maybe some of us will lose our lives. The early church marched following Jesus and died in droves. But they always had some that turned away. And then later on, when things let up, those some that turned away came back. Were they believers or were they not believers? There's a big argument about those folks. Some of them, they may get rebaptized <coughs> to participate in the church again. Well, no, you've been a denier. You need to be rebaptized. Okay? So these are unbelievers. They see the same evidence that have moved some to become believers. We're going to find out something more. We're going to find out that these fellows know their Bible and know the verses that apply to Jesus. And they're not moved by Bible either. 49. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all. Now they did. Jesus was not a phenomena as a rabbi. He was a young rabbi. And he had gone uh, to Nazareth, to the synagogue in Nazareth. And he said, uh, hand me Isaiah's scroll. They, they were going to let him read. Now, it doesn't have any chapters and verses marked in it. Those old scrolls didn't. It was written in Hebrew. So we wouldn't even know which end of the scroll to start on. And he unrolls it to what today we call 60, Isaiah chapter 61, and he begins to read. He knew his Bible, the Old Testament, backward and forward. They all did. Not the ladies, because they weren't allowed to have much education, but the men. But this guy says, you know nothing at all. And what he actually means is, you're not thinking about this. Nor consider that it's expedient for us, that uh, it's necessary for us, that one man should die for the people, and the whole nation perish not. The promise is, one's going to die and deliver the nation. And this is how he's using it. 
And this spake he not of himself. <laughs> Remember the Catholic priest in World War II? He was uh, in Poland, and he was in a concentration camp. And the uh, head of the concentration camp had said, I'm going to kill ten people every day. And there was a Jewish man there with a family. And the Catholic priest said, no, because he has a family, take me instead. And he took the Jewish man's place. I don't know if the next day they killed the same Jewish man. I don't know what was the outcome. And he had this Catholic priest step forward and say, I'll take his place. And every once in a while we hear stories like that. Now here's the high priest. He thinks he's the most important religious person in the whole nation. When he begins to read this, he wants them to know for sure that he's not talking about himself. It's not me that's going to die for this nation. We're going to find somebody else. Um, and this speaking not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied. I don't know if you're familiar with a lot of churches, but there's an awful lot of prophecy going on that has nothing to do with the Bible. Prophesying this and that and this and that and here we see an example of some of that. It's mixed in with Bible. He prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. Isn't it funny? I find some scripture and I can make him fit right in and we can get rid of our problem. His motivation is not that Jesus died for the nation. Uh, apparently he really doesn't believe that the death of Jesus is going to do anything other than get rid of Jesus. So there's a part in his side. Think, but he's using scripture to get there. Do you see the hand of God working in the background? Sort of like our Sunday school lesson of these things working out with Jacob and Laban. And you see two deceivers trying to deceive one another. And you see God working in the background. Jesus is to die for the nation. This high priest who is a Christ rejecter actually names Jesus as the one that is to die. He's like Judas. He comes and kisses the doorway to heaven and refuses to go through. So we have believers that don't believe, and, and we're not talking about their salvation. And we have unbelievers. For 150 years now, our country has said all the ills of the country will be solved if we can only educate our people. Some of the smartest people on earth were the Germans that followed Hitler. Education didn't do them any good at all. It said today that all we do with a person that has a criminal mind when we educate him is make a smarter criminal. This fellow's got all the information he needs. Okay? He prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. This fellow's not ignorant. He didn't believe Jesus is this one. 
but he's going to use these verses to get rid of him. I think this is just amazing. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. And there was not somebody that jumped up and said, wait a minute, this is abuse of scripture. You have massive churches full of people that are listening to prophecy from outside the Bible. And nobody's jumping up and saying, there's something wrong here. seen this before, but this is why I skipped over Mary and Martha to get to this. And that's as far as we go here today. I've got one more little section, and that's Jesus announces judgment upon people who abuse the people of God. I don't know what the judgment for this high priest is. But listen to what he says. This is from Matthew 18, 7. Woe unto the world because of offenses. And that uh, term woe is used uh, uh, numerous times in the Old Testament. Uh, there's some places, I think it's in Jeremiah, that there's a whole list of woes. Okay, And woe is a warning of judgment. This is going to come to happen if you don't get straightened out. And those things all happen to Israel. For it must needs be that offenses come. Now you can think of uh, Judas here. Okay? He is the one that kissed the gate to heaven and didn't go through the door to heaven. For it must, be, must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. These things have to happen. But those people that create the fence, uh, offense are voluntarily doing so and bringing judgment upon themselves. And I've heard over and over again people try to defend Judas. He didn't know what he was doing, that God was forced him to do this. And I don't think so. He chose to do this. God just used a man of that character. To do this. Now we have the great high priest who has, I'll, I'll tell you what, if, if, we, if we went back to compare our knowledge of the Old Testament with that man, he would embarrass us. And yet he doesn't see what's wrong with using scripture for his personal benefit. It means when you approach God, you have to approach God with care. You have to come in a worshipful attitude, not in an attitude of what can I get out of this relationship. It didn't work with Jacob, and it's not going to work with us today, despite that's what's being preached. Is it being preached, Susan, when somebody says you've got to name it and claim it, and what's wrong with you is you don't name it and claim it, Susan? I got an email from Susan, and somebody is telling her that. What's wrong with her? She's just not naming and claiming that there is a fear with which we approach God. He's a very loving God. And yet he is so awesome and, and so 
different from us. That somehow we have to have this attitude of, I need to listen to him. I've got to get off of my agenda and find out what his agenda is for me. What if you have been an apostle? I mean, Peter works the subject. Peter says, well, now Jesus, we've left houses and lands. We've left our family to serve you. For believers, you've got an eternity with God. You can't trade for that anywhere. You know, you can't go on Craigslist and find that. You can't pay for it. You don't deserve it. It was accomplished before you were born. Paul says, while we were yet sinners, he was alive at the time it was accomplished. It, 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 it should bring us to a state of humility just a little bit. And especially in these next two weeks, I mean, I think we should need to be investigating that word love for God so loved. And asking ourselves, why am I trying to set the agenda? I thought that I was number one. And I can't even walk without holding his hand. And we just get scared because he asked us to walk in some difficult places. He's already gone there. Uh, at the most difficult that it can get for you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I don't come through it. He's already been there. Knows what it's all about. The grave couldn't hold him. So, if it's finances, somehow he's going to resolve that. If it's health, the very worst thing that can happen is it can take you to heaven. for your salvation and that guarantees eternity for you. But have you trusted him for the rest of Sunday? Lord, you don't know I'm struggling with some big issues. And he just smiles and says, I guess one of these days that they'll understand that I do know. That was how he was with Mary and Martha tried to reason with them until Lazarus was called out of the grave. They didn't understand. The apostles weren't any smarter because it says about them they didn't understand until after the resurrection.
Jesus was with this animal for the man Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, I, I just thank you for the beauty of this day and the promise that we've got some warmer weather coming from I thank you for those ears that were here today. I pray for the pain that some are going through, the the, the pain that's actually pain, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, Father, for the distress caused by the loss of loved ones. And just a ton of stuff. But, Father, at the same time, even my personal distresses, I know that you're the answer. I know that the answer is on the way. If it hasn't already arrived, then I'm just not recognizing the answer. I also know sometimes it's not the answer that I would have chosen. And yet I've come to the point that whatever the answer is, it's the best answer for the situation I find myself in, even if I don't understand it. I pray, Father, that I become a more worshipful person. And if I can only do it for two weeks, 